Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, the clip before the message this morning explained a lot of it. We believe that circles are better than rows. In fact, I wish I could have, fa- I wish I could have found it for you, but uh, I, I saw an old photo once in our archives where uh, the way that Northside used to look at this time of year, you, you got a video clip. Uh, back, back in the old days, you just used to get a big uh, A3 poster that was hung from, from the ceiling and, uh, and, and prolific amounts of highlighter were used and phrases such as, let's shine in 99. <laughs> Join a group. And uh, it had that distinct handwriting of our former senior minister. The highlighter gave it away. And, uh, and, and it's funny that that is like almost 20 years ago now that this seems to be this season. Church just seems to have these seasons, right? We have group season, Easter, Christmas, group season, Easter, Christmas. Anyone feel like church is a bit like that? And, uh, and we're here again already talking about groups as this one-off this Sunday um, for this reason, that we believe that circles are always better than rows. And more importantly, we want to be a church where, where people, the, uh, the unchurched, the sceptical, can find an entry point and, uh, and a Christianity that, that is authentic and real. We also want to be a church in which mature believers live out their faith and, and show Jesus wherever they might be, that, that each Sunday we are sending out 250, 300 little mini Jesus. That's plural. People who show who God is, and that's, that's why often when... When every now and then as a pastor, you'll meet someone interstate and they will say, hey, look, yeah, I, I visited your church the other week. And I'll very humbly and kindly say to them, no, you didn't. And they said, yeah, you did. It's on the corner of Oxy Street and Pole Lane. I said, no, you didn't. You just visited one of our worship services. You didn't visit our church. Our church happens when a bunch of people gather together and pray for a friend that is sick in their hospital bed. Our church happens when uh, people are gathering in homes and supporting one another. Our church is happening right underneath us as we speak right now, as lots of little kids get together and there is a faithful bunch of uh, parents and young adults and leaders there who have gathered them into circles to hear about the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. Our church happens when when we're connected together. So you've just experienced a worship service and that's important if you're a guest with us today. This is just the tip of the iceberg of our church. This is just when we gather to celebrate, but this is not the church. And that that is great news too, because by the way, you know, anyone who's been at Northside long enough knows that, that this thing, this thing, this building project has always had the potential to redefine who our church really is, what our church really is. Uh, and we must always push against that to say the church is not the building or it's not the success of the building project. And of course, the incredible faith and commitment that our church had to do this building project. But that's never been the church. And the great news for us this morning is, is if all of this went, Northside would never go. Northside would still continue and people would still gather and people would still meet in their homes and people would still pray for each other and people would still support one another. Because we're a church that's always understood that circles are better than rows. There are things that circles can do that rows can't do. Circles can give you an accountability. Circles can give you a sense of belonging. Circles can give you a sense of support and of pastoral care. Circles can give you a sense of joy. Circles can do things that rows can't. And that's all I want to talk about this morning is why circles are better 
than rose. Things we do here are better face to face. And there are lots of benefits for groups, but I just want to talk about one. And it's here from, from Hebrews chapter 3, where it says, Don't give up meeting together. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, if you're hearing this, and particularly if you're not yet a Christian, and you hear the S word, I'm going to explain the S word uh, a little bit later on. But, but just bear with me at the moment. What that verse is saying to us is that all of us have the natural tendency to drift. In fact, have you ever noticed that we have the natural tendency to drift away from anything that's good for us? I mean, seriously, is there anyone here that, that, that saw a friend that lost 30 kilos and said, oh, how'd you do it? And they said, I don't know, I just, I just, I just drifted into the gym. It just happened. <laughs> so what, you saved $10,000 this year, what happened? Just drifted away from the mall. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how it happened, but it, have you noticed that we, we never drift into things that are inherently good or healthy for us? There always has to be a level of conscious intentionality into it. And if it's true for diet and exercise and budgeting and healthy marriages, wouldn't you say that it's true for our relationship with God? A relationship, a healthy relationship with God takes delayed gratification. It takes commitment. It takes intentionality. It costs you something. It's, it's, you never drift into it. It's why this really wise guy that we talk about often in this place called Jesus said, um, enter via the narrow gate. For easy is the wide gate, the path that leads to destruction. You could sound like he's overblown in that, but eat enough ice cream, drift into enough ice cream. And that is a path that leads to destruction, a destruction of who God has called you to be as a healthy person. You get the point, right? We, you and I have a natural tendency to drift, and that's why we say life is better connected. In fact, being connected is the very thing that stops you from drifting. If you've noticed that, there is a revolution happening in the fitness industry at the moment. It's called group fitness. Right? Group fitness classes. Everyone's raving about People even pay double to be in group fitness classes these days. F45 and all the rest of it. Why? Because something happens. Circles, even in fitness, is better than rows. And so if it's true of your fitness life, if it's true of marriage life, wouldn't it be true of your spiritual life? Whatever you are trying to do this year, if you're trying to be a person that's healthy, not just spiritually, but in your body, in your marriage, if you're trying to overcome anger and bitterness in your life, guys, the swim is always upstream. You always have to be intentional with this. It's why we always go on about this at this time of year. It takes a huge amount of intentionality. But there's benefit to that too. And one of them is, and this is what hit me when I was preparing for this passage this week, and it's this. Did you realize that circles, spiritual friendship, connection groups, connect group, whatever you want, cell groups, whatever you want to call them, don't call them cell groups these days, sort of post-2011 makes it sound a bit freaky to your non-Christian friends. What did what, you do on the weekend? I just hung out with some friends in a cell group. <laughs> Okay, whatever you want to call it, circles, circles. Where was I? Circles. Um. Here is the mystery of this dynamic. Friendship, spiritual friendship is the only type of love in the Bible, Philadelphia, brotherly love. It's the only type of love. It's the only type of relationship that when you add to it, it multiplies. 
You thought of that? Um, friend, friendship, say, compared to a, a love relationship is, is incredibly inclusive. If you add someone to a love relationship, you can do nothing but divide it. Add someone to a circle and that the more you add, the more it multiplies, the more it grows, the more it blesses you. And so you see that a family relationship is a circle, but, when, but that circle can only be a set size. And yet spiritual friendship, relational connection, when you add to it, it can be multiplied indefinitely. It's why C.S. Lewis said this, that the rest of us know that we can have erotic love and friendship for the same person. And yet in some ways, nothing is less like friendship than a love affair. Lovers are always talking to one another about their love, but friends hardly ever talk about their friendship. Lovers are normally face-to-face, absorbed in each other. Friends are side-by-side, absorbed in some common interest. That's fascinating. So on one hand, there's, yeah, there's a lot of intentionality, but there's huge blessing that comes from committing to this type of relationship. More importantly, there is a deep need for this type of relationship in circles. More than ever, an article in the Sydney Morning Herald this week, as it was unpacking the historic misdiagnosis of depression in this country, the overuse of medication to treat depression, said that the big problem is we're, we're medicating the symptoms, we're not medicating the causes of depression. And an Australian researcher went through and looked at this, and he asked, why is this causing so much distress? Quoting from the article here. He said, uh, human beings evolved to live in closely knit tribes that were constantly cooperating. But we in the modern society are the first humans to try to live alone and to imagine we can provide what we need for ourselves as isolated individuals. When you have an epidemic of anxiety and depression, that is a, that's a societal warning bell. And if we don't attend to that warning bell, we're in it for a very difficult future. So we see this not just a Christian thing, this is a societal thing. And, and, and here's, the, here's the crazy thing about it. All this that happens in church, those posters, you get this for free. <laughs> I mean, the taxpayer's not paying for this. I, well, some people are paying for this. And in fact, that's what Emily said in the offering, is thank goodness we're in a church where people have the vision to invest things of God not just into the buildings, but into groups that we see multiply and bless people. The church is the hope for the world, according to this article in Sydney Morning Herald. They're yet to see it. And ironically for you and I, what are we thinking this morning? Here we go again. He's talking about groups. <laughs> I've been there, done that. I've been a Christian for 50 years. I know this. Yes, it's January. Get in a group. And if we're real about it, because if we're really skeptical about it, you know, people think we do this because, you know, you pastors, you just want to connect more people to the church and that's how this thing will grow. No, can't you see that on one hand, there is a deep societal need to be in circles. But on the other hand, the only relationship in your life, spiritual friendship, that will multiply if you open yourself up to it. What a blessing it could be. And so people who are in groups, then they get this dynamic this truth these principles that we see from hebrews chapter 3 now they get it that's why they commit to this they see the ways that circles are better than rows and just going to be two of them this morning that i'm going to share with you here's the first thing that's why circles are better than rows circles help you know what you can't know in a row 
Circles help you know what you can't know in a row. Hebrews 3.13, we see again, but encourage one another daily as long as it's today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Oh my goodness, two passages with the S word in it this morning. Um, look, let me side note on all of this. The minute we hear sin, what do we think? Good, good deeds, bad deeds. What have you done wrong now? And yet it's really fascinating. See how Paul here, he personifies sin almost like it's a person. It's personal. So that you may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, as if it's doing something to you. And here's, here's what he's getting at. He's saying sin is not good deeds versus bad deeds. Sin is fundamentally our ability as humans to be blinded to the things that harm us most in our own lives. There is a spiritual deception that goes on. There is an inner deception that goes on. There is things that we can't see. In other words, groups help us see it. Have you seen it in someone else's life? Have you seen it, you know, when you've heard a husband and a wife and the way that they've been talking to each other and you overhear them and you say to yourself, man, if they keep going like that, I know where this is headed. Have you seen it in a friend's life when they're making poor financial decisions and they keep spending the way they're spending and they don't see it, but you see it clear as day? Have you seen it? People's lives? Why is it that we're so blinded to these things that we can't see it coming, but everyone else can? And that's why circles are so important, because we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. But circles help you know what you can't know in a row. Because unless you have people looking into your life and pointing these things out, then you can't know these things. There is this dynamic of of our own self-centeredness. That's what sin is, not good deeds versus bad deeds. This dynamic where it blinds us to the reality of who we are. And I'll tell you how it works in a practical way. Have you ever found yourself uh, looking at a photo of yourself and you look slightly different? Ever found that? You see a photo of yourself and and look, any Gen Ys get this because they work it out when they do selfies. They know what their good side is. And it's because a Gen Yer, and this is what happens, Gen Yers actually know how to practice how to get their good side. Because part of the problem is when you look in a mirror, that's just a reflection of yourself. When you see a photo of yourself, that's how people truly see you as someone else would see you. And it looks different to you. Another example would be, have you ever heard yourself back on a voice recording? Well, I hate listening to my own podcasts. So you hear that and you go, I don't sound like that. My voice is not that high. Uh, I'm not that squeaky. And then anyone that knows you, what do they say? Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> what happens? It's, it's because you're hearing yourself. You're seeing yourself from inside yourself. And it leads to an unintentional self-deception, a blindedness to the reality of who you are. So if there is, a, if, if there is mirrors and photos... And voice recordings for the voice. Where are the mirrors and where are the recorders for your soul? Where are those things that point out what you can't know in and of yourself? That's why circles are better than rows. They help you know things that you can't know in a row. But here's the second thing that they do. Circles help you grow in a way that you can't grow in a row. You see, if you... If, if you just uh, turn up here, I know, I know how it goes. I know what it's like if you do church life in rows. Uh, we, we, we drive to church in circles, particularly if you're with the family and everyone's gone haywire in the back of the car. Mum and dad have often turned around and said, Shh, can't you see we're at church? 
We're at church, so just shush, just shush, calm it all down. You know, just take a deep breath, and then we're going to walk in, and uh, and 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 we're all going to sit. We're all going to sit in rows. I'm going to be well behaved. I'm going to look like we've got it all together. Okay. And then you can all let loose when we get back into our circle in the car again. But so long as we're sitting in a row, just <laughs> sensing some people might have had that experience over the year in church. <laughs> now, if it's not with the kids in the car, we do it with our own lives. You've had a crazy week. You're dealing with something deep in your life. You feel like you're out of control. And you don't have to say it to the kids. You say it to yourself. Just, shh, just sit down. Make sure no one else can see. And that's part of the beauty when people are shoulder to shoulder. They really can't see you in the way that they can face to face. And so circles help grow you in a way that you can't. Hebrews 3 says, but encourage one another daily so long as it's called today. Side note, there's the intentionality. We drift so much and this is so hard. You have to be daily and intentional about this in each other's lives on a regular basis. But encourage one another. The Greek word there is parakaleo. It means to walk alongside. It means counsel. It's where we get the word for the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who walks alongside us, the wonderful counselor. So it says, have people that walk alongside you and who not only see the things in your life, but then point them out in such truthful yet gracious ways that... It shapes who you are. In fact, this can only happen in this dynamic, this dynamic of close relationship. You are grown in a way that can only happen like that. And I tell you where there's a parallel, and I don't want to be offensive about this, but I'm just going to try and explain it the best way that I possibly can. But um, I, I learned that there's a way that um, there's a way that you can only be grown until you move into the circle that is marriage. And in fact, before I got married, I suffered a thing called single man syndrome. And lots of singles, and I'm, that's what I mean in the best possible way, because I've been one for many years before I got married. Um, single man syndrome is this, that whenever life pushes against you, or where, whenever there is a truth spoken into your life that you don't like, because you're not committed to anyone or anything, you get to move whenever you want. So if life gets hard, or the career gets hard, or the job gets hard, well, you just pack yourself up and you move to England. Because uh, on one hand, the great thing about being single, right, is that there's heaps of freedom. But on the other hand, the great problem with being single is there's lots of freedom. <laughs> and only until you move into a circle, that circle that is called marriage, and something, a truth, hits up against you, an area in which you need to grow, and that other person points it out to you, and because of that covenant committed relationship, you've got nowhere to run. Only then are you grown in ways that you could never experience if you were a single person. Is this making sense? Are there a few marrieds here that can give me an amen around that? Yeah. Okay. So if it's true of that circle of marriage, don't you think it's also true of the intense relationship that is Christian community and spiritual friendship? There are ways that circles can grow you that you can't be grown in a row. When you push up against things and ultimately where circles provide you with the only people in your life who have permission to ask you, are you okay? And won't take, I'm fine for an answer. Let me ask you that. Have you got someone in your life? Are you in a circle? Are you in a group? 
where someone can say to you, are you okay? And they won't take, I'm fine, for an answer. Only until you have that dynamic will you grow out of your single man syndrome of spirituality. Because I can tell you there are lots of words of truth when you come under this. There are lots of things in this thing called the Bible and Christianity that when you come up against it, it's going to push against you and it's going to prod you. And, it, and, and there's going to be every reason for you to want to run. But not if you are committed to a circle. And that's why, can't you see? The circles are better than rows. They show you what you can't know in a row. They grow you in a way that you can't grow in a row. So there it is for another year. <laughs> As we get ready to finish this morning, I get what the wrestle is for you. I know what it's like to you. It goes like this. Sam, you don't know. I don't have the time to be part of a group. Um, don't you understand what stage of life we're at? Like, the kids are crazy. I, I, I can't commit to this. Sam, I've already been there. You're already preaching to the choir. I've done this for like 50 years. That's something for, the, for, for, for those who are newer to Christianity to do. I've already done this. I don't need to do this. I've got enough happening in my business. Let me let, me let you in on a secret. Because I know a lot of these people in our groups. Em and I have prayed... Uh, for them all and gone over all, all of our groups this year already so far with a fine tooth comb. But I know each, every person in that list and in those groups in our church have, has understood this. That groups are a bit like a superannuation policy. They cost you. They cost you a little bit now. They cost you a little bit consistently over time. But the deep question is, how much will it cost you if you don't have it when you really need it? Of course, it's going to cost you. Anything worthwhile, remember, requires intentionality and cost. You're not just going to drift into groups. But I've seen it time and time again in this place. I've seen it, I've seen it in one of our young adult uh, one of our young adult ladies who, who this year out of nowhere suddenly had to go in for major brain surgery. That I went up to go and visit her as the pastor, as I did, and I, I get up there and there are flowers strewn all uh, over her bedside table. And I said, well, this is fantastic that you've you know, got so much family here. And she says, it's not my family. Um, that's been all of my connect group that's brought them to me. I get there thinking I'm doing a good job as a pastor. <laughs> and there's already three, four, five, six people have been not there once but twice but multiple times to pray with her and to hold her hand and to support her and, and to be with her. And she, she had them there because um, they were already there. She had already invested in them. She had led them. She had, it had cost her. It had cost her in those nights when it's dark and it's stormy and it's winter. And it had cost her when she's run home from work and the boss has been yelling at her to get the work done. It had cost her in so many different ways. But like a good super policy, it's, it's what's it going to cost you if you don't have that when you really need it. And you know, one of the tragic things as a pastor is that we see what that looks like at the other end of the spectrum. We have people call the church up all the time, call the church up, ask for pastoral support, and that's, and that's what we're here for. And then one of the first questions we'll ask is, are you in a group? And 90% of the time, the answer will be no, because if you were in a group, you wouldn't be calling the church. You'd be calling the friends that you had done life with. 
And in that moment, and this is what breaks my heart as a pastor, in that moment, at best, we can give you a little bit of compassion and support, but no one can know you and sit with you and pray intentionally for you and support you and to cook a meal for you the way that your connect group can. And so I want you to be in groups. I want you to be intentional and connected to a group, not because we want to grow the church. That's God's responsibility, not mine. But because I want you to have this. I want you to have this in those moments, and I know in my own life, when I, when I lost my mum and I was connected to a bunch of guys, and on that Saturday morning that it had happened that week, we sat in the lounge room, we had a bunch of mattresses, and we were in pyjamas, and we just cried together. And I'll never forget that connect group. That's what I want you to have. And so this is so much more than a program for us as a church. This is so much more than a set of names on a list. These are people that God is ordaining to support you, to cheer you on, to lift you up, and to most of all champion you towards Jesus Christ together. And most of all, it's free. Friend, go to the website. Do whatever you have to do to reorganize the diary. I'll leave you with this. If, if, if I still have not been compelling enough. <laughs> some of you, I recognize, you, you blew out of the church. Maybe some of you are hanging on for a thread because you had parents that brought you up in churches that, that basically made you not stand church. I know there's some people here, you know, one of the biggest problems is with the church is Christians. <laughs> Groups are not perfect. But some of you, you know, some of you have had parents that you've looked at and you've seen the way that their marriage blew apart and here's the question what if they had one of these circles in their life in that moment some of you had parents with issues with anger and all the rest of it what if what if you had parents and at that time they had a circle to go to able to ask them are you okay and would not take i'm fine as an answer if anything if you think that you've been there before This is an opportunity for you to make an investment into those who matter most in your life. Hidden, they don't have to be part of this church. But for you to make an investment to be the best possible person you can be, not just for your sake, but for theirs. Life's better connected. We're better in circles, not rows. Let's pray. Father, we pray ahead of all that is happening in the multitude of life in our church. First of all, we want to give you thanks and praise for the hundreds and the hundreds of unseen moments that have taken place in this church through our groups over those 20-something, 30-something years. Father, I want to give thanks for every connection group leader not just presently, not just the ones who have faithfully put their hand up and said, I will make myself and my home available in faith for people to be connected. But I want to say thank you, Father, for every Connect Group leader over the years in this place um, that has invested into this church and into the lives of those around them through our groups. And so now, Father, we open this season up to you. We pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would be putting on our mind's eye what our next step is in this process. And we pray over all of our groups as we launch this year that they would be uh, the frontiers 
of love and of support and of care. And most of all, the reflection of what Jesus' true church is. And the beauty and the wonder of diverse and radically loving friendships amongst people who, if they looked at each other, said there's no way in the world we'd be hanging out unless it was for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the beauty of that in society, that beauty of that thing that people call the church. Uh, I pray that we move out of this place and we head into this year understanding what it truly is and the cost that it takes to invest in that and that we each might pay a part in our small way to champion that forward. We thank you. We love you. Do your work now, Father, as we commit uh, your church to you and await the ways that you're going to work through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.